Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the QB Factory Reboot brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. We are recording on Tuesday, October 19th, and the birds are now two and four after falling to Tom Brady in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home 28 to 22 in week six last Thursday night. On today's episode, we're going to recap what we saw in the week six loss to the Bucs, and we're also going to discuss what we saw from Jalen Hurts, what we saw from Tom Brady, and we're going to preview week seven against the Las Vegas Raiders and Derek Carr as the Eagles prepare to play them. October 24th at 4.05 p.m. Before we get things started, make sure you guys don't forget to uh, leave a rating, write a nice review, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow us on all things social media. I am your host, Rachel Prevet, and I am joined by the one and only best co-host in the world, QB expert, Mark Schofield, the man, the legend. He knows it all. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing well, Rachel. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, good. good. You're probably doing better than me because as I just leaned forward, uh-huh. my left shoulder popped in and out of place. Ow, that sounds very painful. <laughs> I am currently walking around with the Baker Mayfield torn labrums in both shoulders. Um, it, it's super fun. I've had it for a while, so it's really no big deal. But I'm good. I'm excited to be here. As people can see, those of you that are watching the visual, I am continuing the tradition of wearing a, a quarterback jersey on this show. Now, I've been wearing lots of fictional quarterback jerseys. And I thought, what better fictional quarterback jersey to wear than this number nine jersey? Love it. From Wesleyan University. Kids, this is my jersey. Okay, yes. This is my jersey, a fictional quarterback jersey. And I think it's fair to point out, for those of you that are watching, it's a little tight through the shoulders here. You know, a little bit of room down here. So I'll hold up for reference. This is a, vi- a picture of me wearing this same short. Sure. Oh, the no. shoulder pads and everything. Look at how big it looks on me. Yes. Look at it now. <laughs> look at old kids. Don't but it looks old. good. It doesn't look like too tight or anything. It's, yeah, it's not too you. tight. It's not too tight. So I I figured I'd wear that in a nice little yes. jag for those watching. Um, I've do got a movie quote. Okay. Movie awesome. quote is from Tombstone. Okay. For those of you that have not watched Tombstone, it is my favorite Western. I love Westerns. This is probably my favorite. And it's a quote from Kurt Russell, who's playing Wyatt Earp. And his quote is simply this. Are you going to do something or are you going to stand there and bleed? Ooh, hold up, hold up. Say it again. I need you to run it back. You're going to do something or are you going to stand there and bleed? <sighs> That's good. Yeah. That's good. And it's about both just hurts and the Eagles right now because it's time, right? It's yeah. time. Like, We're dying gonna, at this point. Yeah. Are you going to do something now or are you just going to sort of lay down and die like in the sort of metaphorical sense here? So that's my quote. Certainly getting this show started off on a positive note, Rachel. I like that. That's for Nick Sirianni too. He needs to make some changes, something. Something's got to give. 
But I chose song lyrics and this was for Zach Ertz. And the lyrics I chose are, there's never a right time to say goodbye, but we know that we got to go our separate ways. Chris Brown, uh, say goodbye. Because I don't think any of us wanted Zach Ertz to leave. Like he's a legend, like he's a Super Bowl hero. He's definitely a player who loves Philly and the culture and the fans. So it's kind of hard to see him go, Um, especially when you know that the player is so tied like they're so passionate like they're so committed to bettering like themselves in organization he's had some ups and downs in his time in Philly but you know now he's been traded to the Arizona Cardinals in exchange for a fifth round pick in the 2022 NFL draft and rookie cornerback Tay Gowan so you know the press conference on Friday was like super emotional and it was nice you know being able to reflect on like his time here and some of the things that he's accomplishment but I don't think anybody wanted to really let him go and he I know that he didn't want to go he's been really vocal about how he wanted to retire in Philly so it's just you know kind of sad but I'm sure that on the plus side, at least he's going to Arizona and he knows that they're a good team and they're probably going to use him to his strengths and probably more so than Philly did. So that's yeah. the quote that I went with. Yeah, I, it's a great quote. It, it's perfect for this moment, Rachel. And I, I think, look, he's getting to go to Arizona where they're using the tight ends more in the passing game. They lost Max Williams, but they've been relying on Max Williams in the passing game. So Ertz is going to have an opportunity to make some plays. They're an undefeated team. You know, so he has an opportunity here to get another playoff run and potentially win another ring. Yeah, I'm sure you saw his letter. Yeah, you know, we recorded it. We're recording on Tuesday morning. His letter was amazing. And for those that are wondering, a lot of people are making donations, eight dollars and sixty cents, to the Zach Ertz uh, Family Foundation that's been raising money uh, for Philadelphia area charities. I'm going to go do that. I, I would, you know, implore every gentle listener if they can, eight sixty. 86 cents, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be a nice way to sort of send Zach Ertz out. Um, just, and you could tell, right? Like you mm-hmm. saw the moment of him walking off the field Thursday night, right? Mm-hmm. And he was clearly emotional. He clearly knew that yeah. this was happening. Yeah. But it was a great way to go out because he scored right. a touchdown, you know? So that's a, a positive note to go out. But it's still like, I'm sure that's still like super, super hard for him. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, helping to deliver a Super Bowl trophy, I, I, I think that's one heck of a legacy. The, the work he's done off the field, certainly a heck of a legacy. And, you know, there are players that leave cities and remain beloved. I remember as a Boston kid, Ray Bork, a defenseman for the Boston Bruin for, Bruins for years, never got a chance to win a Stanley Cup, gets traded to the Colorado Avalanche. They win the Stanley Cup that year. He gets to finally hoist the trophy. He came back to Boston for a rally. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know, got to share that with with fans. It wouldn't surprise me if, say, Ertz hypothetically, and the Cardinals go on and win a title, if he comes back to sell yes. Philly. I mean, the that, that's the kind of on that. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the kind of relationship that he had with this city. I'm just obviously watching it from afar, an observer yeah. on it, but you could tell the love between player and city. And it's always great to see, you know, particularly in sports towns like Philly, like Boston. Mm-hmm where it can be rough and sometimes it doesn't end well to see it sort of end like this, where there's that still love between player and city is fantastic. Yes. And respect. So yeah, I think that's, so that's great to see. Yes. So shout out to Zach Ertz. You know, we wish you the best in all of your future endeavors and maybe you just might return, but we're going to dive right in to what we saw from Jalen Hurts. A lot of articles have been coming out. You wrote an article, so we're going to touch on that. 
Um, he completed 12 of 26 attempts for 115 yards. So not the best with one touchdown, one interception, any round for two touchdowns in the second half. But at that point, it was kind of too late. It was nice to see, but the game was pretty much over. Um, and he finished with 44 yards rushing. So I pretty much took away not his best performance. He continues to struggle with some of the same things. Accuracy, we've talked about that a lot, misplacing the ball, wide open uh, targets, and you're just missing them, whether it's overthrown, whether it's underthrown, whether it's just a, a miss. You know, some of his decision makings, uh, we know that he uses, uses his legs, and that's like a plus, but he has to figure out how to like, he doesn't always have to immediately take that option first. Sometimes no. like we talked about this last week, you know, scanning the field and kind of like seeing like your, your options, your first one, your one option, your two option, and then maybe leaning on your legs. But it seems like that's like an immediate crutch for him. So making better decisions, um, making smarter plays and like consistency. So you wrote the article about it. What did you write about yeah, and I, Rochelle, I think you kind of nailed it with the sort of not relying so much on his legs. And I, I told the story of Peter Costi Costanopoulos, who was a longtime coach at Western University. And when I was there, he was the head baseball coach and the wide receivers coach in the fall. And he passed away this past summer, but a beloved figure at Western. He was one of a kind. I didn't mention it in the story, but I'll mention it here. He was somebody that when we would have like position group meetings, okay, we're in conference rooms, we're watching film, he would pull out a cigar. Okay. Mm -hmm. He would pop it into his mouth and he would chew it. He would literally chew a cigar like it was chewing tobacco. Okay. Okay. I see your face. It gets yeah. worse. No spit cup. No spit, no spit cup. cup. No, he just swallowed it. Ew. Yeah. That was Coach Costi. And and I remember the first time I saw that, I almost threw up. It just because yeah. I, I yeah. So he was certainly one of a kind, but I I told the story in the article. My freshman year, early in my career there, um, we were running sort of, we were practicing like the sprint out smash concept. We have the corner route, the route, the flat, and you roll it out and they would have a coach try to play between the two, move one way, you throw the other, right? And so I'm running it. The coach sort of drops down to cover the flat route. I'm supposed to throw the deep corner out and I wait and I wait and I wait and I finally throw it really late and it's like woefully underthrown and he's the receiver's coach and he goes to talk to the receiver first probably to tell him look if you see Schofield doing this forget it he can't get you the football which okay mm -hmm. fine that's fair but then he comes back to me and he says look the problem with you is once you get your feet moving mm -hmm. you never throw the ball on time you yeah. never throw the ball on time and until you figure that out Schofield and he just kind of like let a trail off and walked away. And it was basically mm -hmm. like, until you figure that out, you're just going to be awful. Right. Which I get it. But that's sort of the thing here with like athletic quarterbacks. Like for me in high school, again, glory days. I know all that. I was athletic enough where I could get to the outside and I could get to the edge and I'm going to get a first down with my legs. But then I get to college. The first game I started, we had a third and seven. And I, I didn't like the concept. So I was like, look, I'm just going to scramble for the first down. I run to the sidelines as fast as my little legs can carry me. I see the little stick, you know, the, you know, the flag, the stick, whatever, the guy, the chains that's holding it. I dip out of bounds. I think I get just past the first down. I start walking back to the huddle all excited. I see the punt team call on the field. And I'm like, what's mm -hmm. happening? I only got back. I lost yards. It was third and seven. I only get back to like the first set of chains. Mm. I didn't even get the 10 yards downfield because it happened so much faster. I was no longer the best guy on the field. Wow. I was no longer the most athletic guy on the field. And when you see third and seven, okay, mm -hmm. the scribble that he had for 11 yards, mm -hmm. 845 in the first quarter, okay, mm -hmm. it's a great play. 
Okay. In the sense that he picked up the first down with his legs, mm -hmm. but what does he try to do first? He tries to bail the pocket to the right, thinking I can get to the outside and get to the edge. The problem, Jason Pierre Paul is a pretty athletic guy on that yeah. edge. Yeah. And so as Hertz comes out, Pierre Paul's right there with him. Mm -hmm. He's like, Oh, well, I can't, I can't do this now. And I have to now make something else happen. So he scrambles back to the left and he's athletic enough to pick up the first down. Yes. But it's a process versus results. Then I'm reading uh, Bobby Petrino's book inside the pocket. He coached Lamar Jackson at okay. Louisville. Okay? okay. And he had a great story about how he grades quarterbacks and folded it into Lamar Jackson. He would say, I always grade quarterbacks on every given play on two things, decision and execution, right? Do you make the right decision? And then do you execute it right? Because he said, look, I have some quarterbacks that would always make the right decision, but they were bad. They couldn't throw the football where it needed to be. Some, some quarterbacks make bad decisions, but execute things. So a guy like Lamar Jackson, he might make a bad decision and not throw the football, but they can pick up the first down with his legs. So it's a bad decision, good execution. Yeah, it, yeah. That's the thing with, with Hurts on this play because he bails the pocket early. He runs himself away from the protection because right tackle is trying to block, expecting him to stay behind him. But when you bail the pocket, you're just running into pressure. And if he stays in the pocket, and this is to your point, he's got the dig route from Quez Watkins over the middle. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what you'd like to see him do. And so the thing I want to see from Hertz going forward, and there's a lot that he needs to improve on. This is just one small area. Right. Head in the pocket a little bit longer, right? Yeah. Like, Jalen Hurts, when he was at Alabama, nine times out of ten was the best athlete on the field. When he was at Oklahoma, nine times out of 10, he's the best athlete on the field. So he can get away with scrambling out of protections, scrambling out of pockets, making stuff happen with his legs. Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you're not always the best athlete on the field. You know, guys like Jason Pierre-Paul, guys like Max Crosby, who you're going to see next week. Yes. They're athletic enough to mirror you, to prevent you from getting to the edge. So now you've got to realize – there are moments you have to stay in the pocket and work through reads. Now, I know there are other moments. I've had people yell at me on Twitter all weekend about, well, he's get, not getting good protection. He has to bail. Certainly, there were plays where he's under duress like a second into the down. And I get it. Then you have to run for your life. This play is that process versus results, decision versus execution stuff that we need to see him get better at. I like that you chose that play because that's literally the first one that I had. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Exaggerations and half-truths aren't new in politics. But now, with AI, people can create fake videos of candidates to sway your vote. I'm former U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara, and I've teamed up with technology expert and law professor Nita Farahani on my podcast, Stay Tuned with Preet, for a three-part miniseries, AI on Trial. Our second episode presents the hypothetical case of a hotly contested Senate race that is derailed when the leading candidate is accused of using AI to enhance his performance and hurt his opponent. How are we supposed to know when the technology becomes very difficult to validate something as truth or lies? Do existing laws, policies, and government agencies sufficiently safeguard the political process? Political speech is so tightly protected under First Amendment that it makes regulating in this space a real challenge. 
and what needs to happen to protect democracy in time for the real presidential election in November. When our elections are so close, where it comes down to nail-biting endings, a few voters here and there can really lead to differences in outcomes. The episode is out now. Search Stay Tuned with Preet wherever you get your podcasts. But I'm sure that you saw the article that's been floating around. This one was by uh, Marcus Hayes in the Philadelphia Inquirer calling to bench Jalen Hurts. I just wanted to read some of what he he wrote and get your thoughts on like, is it time to bench Jalen Hurts or not? So this, he says he has bad mechanics, bad footwork. He throws bad passes and he makes bad decisions. These lead to bad losses. Bench Jalen Hurts at two and four. The Eagles season can be salvaged, but. Every remaining game is winnable if they do this one thing, this one simple thing. Hertz has had his chance. He's been the starter for more than one third of the season, and he was a starter for one fourth of last season. And he's proven one thing. He's not really ready to be a starter. In fact, at this moment, Hertz might be the worst passer of any regular starter in modern Eagles history. This is not an indictment on what Hurts can be. It's an honest assessment of what he is. It's also an honest assessment of what the Eagles are, a team of fading stars, but stars with enough brilliance left to win. If that means starting Joe Flacco, then swallow hard and do it. Very, very blunt. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's well-written. It's blunt. He's got evidence for it. I, I disagree with it. Yeah. I, I think that, look, remember when we started doing this show, Rachel? Mm-hmm. Eagles are a bottom five roster. That's what everybody was saying about this team. We sort of pushed back on that. Right now, they're two and four. Sure. You look at the Dallas Cowboys. Do you think right now, sitting here, October 18th or whatever day it is, they're going to catch the Dallas Cowboys? I I don't think so. Not at all. I don't think so. I don't (laughs) think going to Joe Flacco is going to suddenly turn things around because you have problems other than the quarterback position. You have problems – at uh, the second level of your defense. You've had some inconsistencies in the secondary. You've had some ups and downs up front on defense as well. You've had some ups and downs on the offensive line. You've got a rookie head coach yep. trying to figure out play calling. Like changing out the quarterback is sometimes the like it's like the emergency, you know, break open glass in case of emergency moment. It's more than just the quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's more than just the quarterback. And so if you put Joe Flacco in, it doesn't fix things overnight, number one. And number two, you lose the opportunity to continue to evaluate Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, the major decision over the next eight months is going to be what to do with potentially three picks in the top eight of the 2022 NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Do you draft a quarterback or not? If you sit Jalen Hurts down right now, the, the evaluation is incomplete. Yes. And so maybe you still draft a quarterback, but then you might have two guys that can play, or maybe you don't draft a quarterback and perhaps you should have, but either way, you've got to figure that out. So that's issue number one. Issue number two is if you sit Jalen Hurts down, what does that do to Jalen Hurts? It probably just breaks his complete confidence. And you just saw a quarterback leave town completely shattered from a confidence standpoint. Mm -hmm. Carson Wentz is playing a little bit better right now. Mm-hmm. But he was a shattered quarterback from a confidence standpoint when he left Philadelphia. You know, you're now going to go down that road again and break another quarterback from a yeah. mental standpoint. Like a, a comfortable, confident quarterback, somebody that has the faith in the people around him that believe in him. Like that's somebody that I think he can be a good quarterback. But if you're going to bench him now, that's bad. If you get into a situation like say against the Raiders this weekend, you're down 45 nothing in the third quarter, and he's making bad mistakes. 
he's making, you know, bad oh, decisions. Yeah. Then you pull him. Okay. Then you pull him. I, I'm reminded, and I've been rambling a lot. I need to shut up. Okay. <laughs> but I'm getting heated, Rachel. I'm getting yeah. heated. <laughs> Marty Schottenheimer, in a Marty Schottenheimer football life, I've told the story a ton. He was talking about, and Drew Brees was talking about how Schottenheimer handled him. And he said that there were times early in his career with the Chargers that he would bench. Schottenheimer would sit Brees down, mm-hmm. and he would tell him on the sidelines, look, you're still our guy. But we're losing by 28, and you're making mistakes, and you're hurting yourself right now. If it's a one-score game, you're in there. You're our guy. Mm-hmm. We believe in you. But we're getting blown out, so we got to sit you down. Like, I don't want you to hurt yourself. That's the approach I think you have to take with Hurts right now. If you're still in games and you can still potentially win them, you still run them out there to start, he's still your guy. You have to figure out the evaluation process. But if it gets to be 35 nothing in the third quarter and he's making mistakes and he's hurting himself and you see bad habits continue to develop, then you sit him down and you pull him aside mm-hmm. and say, look, you are still our guy. Mm-hmm. But what you're doing today is detrimental to your development. Yes. So we have to sit you down. So that's why I am on the Hurts thing right now. It's very, very frustrating, especially like hearing so many people ready to just throw him away because I'm like right. his situation from the jump was not fair so it's like you guys are comparing him to some of these other quarterbacks he's not them all quarterbacks are not going to come in and just be killing it you know right. immediately especially based off of the situation he's in so I'm like we see positives we see what type of person he is we see what type of leader he is and yeah he's not str- starting strong in a lot of these perf- like games but yep. we see like when it's time to perform he's kind of pulling them out like he's putting the team on his back and he is getting what he has to get done yes yes they're not winning but before the season even started everybody was talking about how this is a this is not a, a team that we're uh saying is you know a, a Super Bowl contender like we right. said that this is a rebuilding year so I'm kind of confused because I'm like if this is the season to rebuild why are y'all being so hard on him like right. he needs more time I get it he's not looking great but it could be a lot worse and it's like what happened to the rebuild yeah and it doesn't even fall all on him just like you were no. talking about like it's not him his coach isn't even putting him in the best situation so the comparisons to other quarterbacks is pissing me off because i'm like okay he's not them and he's been he's had the short end of the sick of the stick since the beginning of this whole his whole time in the eagles franchise so yeah. it's very very frustrating because i'm like it hasn't even been that long it's and been it's a not very, like crash like it's been a very progress it's been a very difficult career arc for him in Philadelphia because rem- I, I remember the night he was drafted, the second he was picked, I was on Instagram live with Kiss being like, what do they do? Like, and, and level-headed people like me and Kiss were like, I, we don't get this. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's been a tough time for him. He's on his, basically his fourth offense in four years. Mm-hmm. One at Alabama, one at Oklahoma, one under Doug Peterson, and now Nick Sirianni's offense. That's mm-hmm. not conducive to any quarterback and, and their sense of development. And the other thing to remember is we live in such a a, a world dominated by 280 characters mm-hmm. that everything happens in the moment. Sundays on NFL Sundays, I will write articles to get them out in the first half of a game that are obsolete by the third quarter because mm-hmm. everything is judged in the moment. Mm-hmm. There's an absolute lack of patience across almost every single NFL organization. Like mm-hmm. we read columns this weekend that Patrick Mahomes was done in the league and figured him out. This mm-hmm. is after everybody got off from saying Lamar Jackson has been figured out by the entire National Football League, which is, again, one of the more absurd. I don't understand how you can figure out a guy that you can't tackle. 
Like, yeah. tell me how you figured that guy out. I, yeah. I that I don't get. We, 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 you know, we everything happens and is judged in the moment, and there is very little organizational patience. There are conversations right now in corners of Patriots fan bases about Mac Jones, mm -hmm. Jets fan bases about Zach Wilson, mm -hmm. Jacksonville about Trevor Lawrence, Chicago about Justin Fields. Like nobody has the patience to give quarterbacks the time to develop. Now, yeah. does Jalen Hurts have to get better? Yes. Does he have to we figure things out? Yes. If we're still having these similar discussions in December, well, then I think we know what they're going to do with at least what, if not all of those first round picks in the top 10, like mm -hmm. then, you know, but give him the opportunity to prove you right or wrong about it. Yes. Don't just make up your mind now, wash your hands and say, look, we're done. And yeah. don't this idea that you're chasing down a playoff berth. Okay. Y'all know sure. what it was when we got into this season. So yeah. I feel like now the whole, oh, well, uh, no, you guys knew what we were getting into. Yeah. This was a so rebuilding really, year yes. that we've suddenly done a 180 on because this team won games against the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. And suddenly it's like, look, this team should make the playoffs. Really? Okay. Really? Yeah. You know. So. It's like, yeah, okay. Let me move on before I get frustrated. Because no, just no this is this is good stuff. I, I people have told me you pod when you're angry, you write when you're angry, and I, I think we're proving that right right now. I'm like, I feel like the the expectations for him are like they they're expecting him to be like a Tom Brady, you know? And I'm Again. confused because I'm like, one, he's he's young. Everybody doesn't start off on that high note. And if you look at like Lamar, like we were talking about going into the season, everybody said that he was figured out. One of the things that he was struggling with was throwing the ball, right? Right. And look at him now. Yeah. So I feel like if look if okay, Lamar is different because you know he's unique with his legs and he's just a, a crazy. But they didn't give up on him. They right. worked with him over time, and you see that he's making progress. But I don't feel like the progress is going to happen overnight. If no, accuracy is a struggle for. Jalen Hurts, that's not going to switch in one week. Three quarterbacks, I think, have obliterated our mind frame when it comes to like that evaluating on the quarterbacks. Tom Brady, right? Because mm -hmm. everybody thinks, oh, well, you can find a great quarterback in the late, you know, round, which you can find. No, no, Tom Brady's one of a kind. Yeah. We called him a football throwing alien last week. I'm about yeah. to say it again. He's a football throwing alien. Dak Prescott, similar thing, right? Yeah. Oh, you can find a quarterback in the middle rounds and, and you know, he can have success. Dak Prescott, like his work ethic and all that stuff and what he does off the field and the work he puts into it. He went from somebody that couldn't throw a simple slant route at Mississippi state to somebody that Nate Tice, who I love at the athletic says he should be teaching tape for every other quarterback because mm -hmm. of the way he's gotten better. And Justin Herbert, people see the success that Justin Her Herbert had early and think, well, you know, every rookie quarterback should do that. No, mm -hmm. far more often young quarterbacks look like Zach Wilson coming out, look like Justin Fields coming out. It's a completely different game. It's mm -hmm. a much faster game. It mm -hmm. is a much higher level of competition. And, and a lot everybody's of guys, good at what they do. We're in talking, the yeah, yeah. You're talking about, okay, you're going up against cornerbacks, okay? 64 best people on the planet that can do this job, yes. okay? Like, it's going to be a lot tougher when you're doing it against those guys as opposed to doing it against guys in the Big Ten that are now probably in law school. And mm -hmm. contemplated taking my job in 10 years. I, I, <laughs> that's that's what you're going up against now. And so yeah. it's going to be tough on these guys. Mm -hmm. Like it, practice some patience. Yeah. I, I know with what we've seen from young quarterbacks with this drive to get them on the field because of the rookie contract and the rookie deal and all that stuff, prop the team up around them. Okay. 
prop the team up around them. Mm-hmm. Look around this locker room, okay? All we've said about this Eagles roster. Is this the situation akin to, say, what we're seeing with some other young quarterbacks like a Baker Mayfield where he's got this incredible offensive line and Odell and two mm-hmm. incredible running backs? Like, it, it's not quite the same. If you're going to hold Hurts to the standards of these other guys, then apply the standard across the board. Make sure that, like, the comparison is the same. If yeah. it's not, then you're really being too tough on the kid. And it'd be different, like you said, if we were in December or if we were like a year later, but I feel like we're what in eight or nine starts in his his career. So to me, it's just kind of confusing. Yeah, I don't understand. And everybody's not always going to be on the same page. I get it. But I don't agree that it's time to bench bench him just this soon. Yeah, I don't get it either. So, but yeah, so what what would you give his, um, what would you grade him from this performance? I mean, it's a a C plus. I mean, he he got better as the game went on. He made some plays when the game went on, but he struggled early and struggled with some of the things we've been talking about. Yeah. And I mean, Tom Brady, you know, look good, but he also has a lot of weapons and they're older, they're more developed players. So I feel like, like I said, we can't compare him. So Tom Brady did finish 34 for 42 with 297 passing yards and he had two touchdowns. So they but but the Bucks did start to kind of let up. And yep. you saw in a couple of the plays, I noted one of the plays, like he was struggling a little bit with his thumb. Cause in one of the plays, he got some pressure from Fletcher Cox and he like low-key like batted it down. And you could kind of tell like after that he was a little uh un- unsettled. Yep. But they let up in the game. It wasn't a, a perfect performance for the Bucks, you know. No. So and I think the coach talked about like the head coach talked Bruce Aarons. Yeah, he touched on it was just some bad throws pretty much when he was referencing Tom Brady and like some of those passes he made. And it was a couple interceptions, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I mean, look, they they, they did look like they let off the gas, but it did seem like Brady was sort of struggling with that thumb a little bit. But they've got so many weapons and, and they've got, you know, some players up front of a defensive side of the ball that can get pressure. Vita Vea is just a monster. And. Yeah, I mean, it was just that kind of night. Yeah, the Eagles did a good job sort of working themselves back into the game, mm-hmm. but they had an opportunity to stick close early, and they couldn't, and that's really what ended up costing them. Yeah, for sure. So, and Lenny Fournette is crazy. We already yep. knew that A-B, but we knew this. We talked about yep. this going into the game. Like, they performed like they should have performed, so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a team that just won a Super Bowl that pretty much brought everybody back. Like, this is the kind yeah. of performance you would, you would expect to see from them. Um, at least early in the game. Yeah, then perhaps let up on the gas a little bit. But they're a very good football team. Yeah. Like, yeah. credit to the Eagles for coming back. Credit to Hurts for sort of spurring some comeback. And they had a chance to sort of maybe win at the end. You get the bad personal foul call, questionable yeah. taunting call. I mean, Yes. You know, Which was whack. That was yeah. whack. <laughs> yeah. That, not a fan of the taunting calls. But, yeah. you know, to get it back to a one-score game in that moment, I you know, credit to them for that. But, yeah. You know, as I said about the Patriots this week, there's no, there are no moral victories in the nope. NFL. Like it, it, it's nice to like have to like fight at the end, but you need to mm-hmm. win games. Yeah, but I feel like you can't just always be depressed. Like you, I try to find the small wins. So, right. But everybody's not like that, so it is what it yeah. is. But all right, we're gonna shift to week seven. The Eagles are now heading to Las Vegas to face the four and two Raiders, who have had a lot going on this past week after you know they defeated the broncos 34 to 24 in week six um so the eagles are going to face them on sunday october 24th at 405 p.m and we know that we saw we heard and saw everything that happened with john gruden and um 
him deciding to resign after like the emails emerged about, you know, pretty much it was just chaotic. So it was impressive to see this team be able to win and being able to see Derek Carr lead them to this victory. Um, He did a really good job uh, completing 18 of 27 attempts for 341 yards. So that's actually really, really good. He had two touchdowns with a 134.4 QB rating. So I think he did a really good job just showing that leadership ability because that can be a distraction, you know, when all of that stuff is going on and it's just a quick, drastic change so he was he didn't you could tell like this win was really important to them like they they needed it and he did a really good job um with like his anticipation throws that's one thing that I noted when I was going back and looking at some of like his throws he did a really good job with that yeah and you know I obviously look the situation uh, with, with John Gruden, and it's, it's been discussed, the emails and all that stuff, absolutely horrific. And, yeah. You know, the organization, you know, had to end that relationship. And yeah. I, I also think that, look, this is not the end of that story. Like, mm-hmm. the, the NFL can try to claim that there's nothing else bad in those emails. Like, mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, Carr, the leadership, you nailed it, right? Like, this could have been a situation that spirals out of control for the team, but you need veterans to sort of step up, take charge, like, mm-hmm. turn, help the organization, the locker room, turn the page. And I thought Carr and the rest of the leaders in that locker room did a good job in that sense. Carr played very well. And what's been fascinating about watching Carr over, the, say, the past season and a half or so is prior to that, he was very much the guy tagged with that sort of check down Charlie label. Like, doesn't throw deep downfield. He's not aggressive. Like, he checks mm-hmm. everything down. He's become aggressive now. He's become more of a vertical passer now. He attacks downfield, attacking downfield with Henry Ruggs, attacking mm-hmm. downfield with Darren Waller, who's a very mm-hmm. good player. The touchdown he had to Kenya Drake, which was, I think you nailed it, one of those anticipation throws where he gets the sort of out and up wheel route, you know, running back matched up on a linebacker. You like that. And he just lofts it up under pressure for a touchdown before halftime. Carr has played very well. Their defense is playing well. Max Crosby is yep. somebody you're going to have to worry about up front. Uh, who's got a ton of pressure on quarterbacks, pressured Lamar a ton back in week one. Yes. Um, yes. So he's certainly somebody to watch. But this is a Raiders team that, you know, sometimes you have those moments where as a locker room, you come together, you band around each other, and you start believing and trusting in the guys around you, and you can go forward and make, make some plays and win some games. Mm-hmm. They did that this week, and that could sort of continue for them. Yeah. Like you mentioned, Max Crosby, a beast. He ranks ninth in the NFL in sacks with five and six games and he sacked Teddy Bridgewater three times and let a really, really pressure filled games. He had 12 total pressure. So uh, the Eagles need to be prepared for that. Cause yeah, he's, he's nice. Like he's actually really, really nice. He's a very good player and somebody they certainly have to worry about. They're using rugs much more effectively. Mm-hmm. You know, last year I feel like they used rugs as more of just a deep threat decoy in a sense. Mm-hmm. Now they're actually hitting throws to him and, perhaps more dangerous to note, Carr trusts him. Like he's just, yes. he sees him in single coverage. He sees him sometimes in double coverage. He just says, look, Henry's going to win this. Like, yeah. like I have faith in him. Like he had a couple of throws in that game where he just put the ball up and said, look, Henry's going to come down with it. Mm-hmm. That's always dangerous when you get a quarterback with that level of trust in a receiver, yes. particularly young, you know, incredibly quick receiver like Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're loaded. Like you said, they have Henry Ruggs. They have Darren Waller, Kenyon Drake. And they also have Josh Jacobs. So, and their defense yeah. is good too. So this is their, like their defense is like good. A team in a way. Yep, you're you're gonna get a matchup. Um, you know, with Kenya Drake, with 
Josh Jacobs on those linebackers on Singleton, that out and up route with Kenya Drake matched up on a linebacker. Certainly yeah. going to see them try to get that with Singleton matched up against them in either man or man match or zone coverage. So yeah, they're going to do some things that are going to stress this defense. It, it then comes back to what we talked about for the first 20 minutes of the show, Jalen Hurts. You know, yeah. can he rebound from what we saw last week? Yeah. Or are, are we going to be back here a week from now wondering, okay, now now is the time to bench him. Like I still oh, don't yeah. think you do it, but I'd like to see them avoid that. I'd like to see Hurts have a bounce back game. Me too. Me too. But I guess we're going to have to wait and see what happens on Sunday. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, so. But the Eagles, like I said, they're heading to Las Vegas. The game starts at 4.05 on Sunday, October 24th. So don't forget to rate, leave a written review, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on all things social media. I can be followed at Rachel Monique on both Instagram and Twitter. And Mark Schofield is at Mark Schofield on Twitter and What's your name on Instagram, Mark? It's M-A-S-C-H-O-030916, I think, something okay. like that. There something. you have it, folks. So make sure you guys follow us, and we'll be back next week to talk about what we saw from the Week 7 game, Eagles at Las Vegas. So that is a wrap. Do you have any last words, Mark? I, I do have one quick thread. Lane Johnson yes. coming back. Yes. He, he released a statement about mm-hmm. how struggling with anxiety and depression. And anybody mm-hmm. that's followed me, gentle listeners, dear listeners, know me for a while, know that that's something that's huge with me. It's mm-hmm. part of the reason that I'm here. I left practice in law because I was a depressed, anxious, basically a mess at the end. And mm-hmm. getting out of that and doing this is in part therapeutic for me. So mm-hmm. I just want to stress to people, mental health, is incredibly important. As a wise sage man once said, take care of your mentals. Mm -hmm. And my DMs are always open. I will listen. I will help. I will try to give advice. I have countless people that I check in and on, check in with on a regular basis to see how they're doing. I have people that I do that with for myself. It's incredibly important. So if you are somebody that is struggling with that, my DMs are open. Please do not hesitate to reach out. If you know somebody that's struggling, because it's always easy to say, hey, you know, if you're struggling, you know, reach out to me. But if you know somebody in your life that is struggling, reach out to them. Make that Mm -hmm. first step because that's critically important, too. It's easy to say the passive, like, you know, reach out, call me, text me if you need help. It's often incredibly hard for that person to then do that. It's terrifying Mm -hmm. at times to say, I'm struggling. I'm having a problem. I'm anxious. I'm nervous. I'm depressed. So take that first step for them. Reach out for them. Be that bridge to them. So take care of your mentals, everybody. I love that. That's a fantastic way to end this. So very nicely said. Oh, and go Eagles. (laughs) Got to. (laughs) Got to finish with that. Got to finish with go Eagles. (laughs) 